This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me as always are Scarlett and Dave. Guys, we have a special guest with us today. He's not really that special, is he? Well, I mean, he's special, but... He's like super, like like our, our, the fans, the true friendy fans of the podcast get like giddy as can be when the Barnabas comes back. Wouldn't you say? Is that because they they like when Dave gets made fun of. No, I'm gonna probably, uh, but you know what? Scarlett has learned how to kind of like dig into me now too in a really Have sweet I, I'm way. I'm sorry. A I really just, sweet oh, don't way. Don't apologize. Then no. I apologize, though, so it's okay. You do. You do. You're, like, You're not oh, Canadian I on this podcast. You're not supposed to be apologizing. That's Aaron's yeah. job. I've been in America for over four years now, so I'm trying to apologize less. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you still can't vote, though. I feel like after after you've been here for four years, we probably we probably owe you an apology, frankly. But you know, well, I mean, especially after this year. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, I mean, never <laughs> have I been so glad to not have the ability to vote than this year, and that's all I need to say. My favorite um, thing I saw on the internet about this was during the debate. Somebody tweeted something like, um, "This is so hard. I love them both." <laughs> Like that. Oh, anyway, moving on. Yes, moving on. So, so Barnabas, you had a uh, you had a big life event happen this week as we were recording this. So it'll be like a couple of days. It'll be you know about five days after this happened when this airs so So still within a week of said life event yes that's right that's right so um how about you you share what that was well the minnesota twins got swept in the playoffs Mm, that hurt didn't it no that's not a big life event that's like a recurring annual event um okay so you're fine then (laughs) yeah that's just it's like a fall holiday for all minnesotans now getting disappointed so it's like like drinkers uh, of tim hortons they're they're used to being disappointed that's right. You show up expecting nothing. Um, no, I had my book, Hoping for Happiness, release on October 1st, which as of this recording is yesterday. So uh, you can, listeners, you can test whether or not Aaron gets this out within a week. That's your, I'm going to fact check. That. That's a challenge. Yeah. Will Monday be the new Monday or will Tuesday be the new Monday? I don't know. It's yeah, that was my book. life event. It's so What's good. That? It's such a good book. Oh, so you. good, and the announcement was so good, and I got the most copies of anyone on this podcast. Yeah, yeah I think you might have gotten the most copies of of anybody <laughs> besides the author. Actually. I think she might have yeah. actually gotten your copies, Barnabas. I think so. <laughs> I know I got she got my copies. copy. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was so, so excited yeah. when the first copy came. I was like, "Yay, Barnabas's book!" And then, like two days later, I wasn't home, and Brandon was like, "The good book sent you something else." And then I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> Okay, that's weird. And then it was three more of Barnabas's book. <laughs> that's amazing. They, was, they're just really confident that you're going to give them away. I am, yeah, I mean, I hope it like, wasn't like a law of diminishing returns. I hope there was something exponential there. Yeah, no, I'm very that way, excited. That way Aaron can feel extra, extra jealous because he still hasn't gotten his. 
I did put one in the mail myself as of two days ago. So you should be receiving one, assuming our reliable postal service hasn't failed. Yeah. You know, we could have actually just gotten together somewhere in Nashville and you handed it to me. <laughs> but that's yeah. true. It's, it's the year of COVID. We can't, we can't that's do true. that. That's yeah. true. I forget that you're like, well, no, honestly, I thought about it and I was like, oh, I'll meet you at the office. Oh, wait. Ooh, Nobody's yeah. going to the office. That's true. That's also, true. Moving on. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to read. I need, really you know what? Exciting. I need a little bit of happiness right now. Dave, can you read an excerpt? <laughs> <laughs> just start you, at the beginning. Barnabas, you just have all, you, you got the zingers in here. Tell me about how you came up with the zingers. Like you got some good one-liners. All right. Well, you're going to have to tell me which ones because I don't know. Like you say zingers and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember which one is a zinger. Well, zinger, I mean, that is like a, all right. We are the children of Adam and Eve. And that is in sin, but we also carry the marks of Eden. What is this voice? What, what is that? It I don't sounds know. a little bit. Uh, why am I blanking? It sounds like a bad Steven Seagal impression, frankly. But hey, that man. B- before there was the Nicolas Cage we know today, there was Steven Seagal. Okay, so I mean, was Steven Seagal the first mega actor? Is that what you're saying? He's just. Um, there's just something mysterious. You know, he's. He's, you know, he's associates himself with the mafia. He's done Hollywood movies. He claims to be this kind of martial arts expert, but he's kind of, I don't know. I mean, he's, uh, he's just bizarre. That's what I love about him. You don't know what you're going to get. So bizarre is a good way to describe what you were just reading too. At least how you were reading it. I'm not going to tell you where it was, whatever context, but the voice made it. Uh, that's really it. Yeah, most definitely. No, is there a question I, in there somewhere or just your, your impression? No, I loved it. Okay. All right. Well, before we go into that, all right. So, um, did, uh, this will be really fun actually. Did you, uh, do you have like standard interview questions? Do I have standard <laughs> interview questions? Yeah. <laughs> Can you please text them to us right now? Uh, That's Dave's first standard interview question. <laughs> I like that I'm supposed to feed you the questions to ask me. Well, you know, your publicist dropped the ball, so. Well, all right, hold on, Barnabas, to defend you. I I was on a Zoom call yesterday with um, uh, Bethany from your team. She was, you know, part of a pub you thing, and... uh, and I said, yeah, I said, we're having Barnabas in our podcast. And for, I think her, her zing back was like, you have a podcast? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, the, and the second thing is, Barnabas is spending time with you? <laughs> like, it was, she was so nice. It, was, it wasn't anything like that, but it was. Uh, but <laughs> but said, she, yeah. didn't, she didn't send you the questions? No, she did not. No, okay, did well, not. just no, make no. them up. No, I'm going to make them up. Okay. Honestly, Dave, you, you have been in publishing for long enough half of the questions on every list are exactly the same. Where did you come up with the idea for this book? Why did you write this book? Who is this book for? Uh, Let's see. Uh, What what was your emotional state when you wrote this? Oh, that must be a newer one. Is there anything on there about like an Enneagram number? Like what's it like for an Enneagram eight to write a book on happiness? You know what? Our listeners love hearing all about that. So why don't you just expand? I just wanted to see Aaron's head explode a little bit. Um, And then talk about sports and, and what sports were on the TV while you were writing the book. Right. Yeah. What, uh, what flavor of tea were you drinking while doing this? Uh, I don't know. Which of the canned questions would you like me to answer? I would like you to tell us what your favorite sentence in the book is. 
I don't remember. Okay, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. Do you, okay, Aaron, after you write a book, do you recall your sentences in detail? I do. I generally do not recall the exact sentences. There are some that I do actually remember that it's like, okay, that was, that was one. Um, the end is usually the the key one. Barnabas, where were you when you wrote this book? Where did you write it? Um, that's a good question. I I don't tend to do most of my writing at home because home is where I get distracted by children and other parts of life. So I, I think I wrote the majority of it at various coffee shops, ideally coffee shops that serve more than just coffee because I also wrote a fair amount of it at Smoker's Abbey in East Nashville, which is my, it's, so if coffee shops are for the first half of the day, Smoker's Abbey is for the second half of the day. So also real good happiness vibes at Smoker's Abbey. So there's a, there's a promo for, for them. What were you listening to while you wrote the book? Ironically, a lot of Jason Isbell, who is the least happy songwriter uh, currently putting music out. I mean, I think he's a happy person, but his songs by and large are very sad. So uh, writing, yeah, writing a book about happiness while listening to his songs about misery was an, it was a fun mm-hmm. juxtaposition. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I listen to I, a lot of jazz when I write too, because it's just, goes it well keeps right. my mind from like being scattered and racing. It's pretty uh-huh. chill. Uh, yeah, I saw your references to Jason Isbell and then in the book, which I had to arm wrestle amazing. my editor over that one because so this yeah. is a the, the publishing company for this is a British company. And so she's she's probably about my age and a British lady. She's a brilliant editor, was great to work with, didn't know who Jason Isbell was. So she's like, I think your readers will be lost on this. And I just said, I don't care. This is <laughs> there are certain things that they need to be introduced to. And if they need to look up the reference, I'm OK with that. Sometimes we spoon feed them. Sometimes they need to, you know, use the interwebs and figure out who this guy is. That's right. That's what the Google is for. I, yep. I think if you, well, yeah, I mean, anyone likes Americana, he's kind of the king now. Um, but um, uh, Barnabas, you'll appreciate this. I, I met him uh, once when he moved to town and I met him at Taqueria del Sol on 12th Avenue South in the bathroom. Um, we talked for a few minutes in the bathroom <laughs> really and I thought, uncomfortable oh, I'm, am I going to be that weird fan? Cause I used to go to his shows at drive by truckers for years. And when I heard he was going solo, I thought this is great. It was before he, re- it was right before he recorded Southeastern. So before like he became really big again, I guess in many ways, but he was so kind. And I thought, why do I always make things weird? Of course, I run into Jason Isbell <laughs> in the bathroom, you know? And so we wash hands. We just kind of stand there talking. I'm like, well, I guess we should leave. <laughs> <laughs> Did you offer right. to shake hands at any point even, like, no. before or after washing? No, the, okay. no, no. There was a code. There was no like, yeah, there's none of that. Well, But and you already great. violated the code. You were talking in the bathroom. Yeah, but well, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, some dude, some dudes yeah. do that. Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, this is fascinating. <laughs> I again, he probably. I thought like, don't be that weird fan, and then I became the weird fan. And he probably like tells this to other people, like, yeah, I get like people find me in the bathroom. It's weird, you know. They make me talk, and I just want to go to the bathroom and get out of here. 
Yeah, I know. All right. I was, I, I'm like that too. I always thought I would not be a weird fan to anybody. And I, who was it? Is it Chip Esten? Is that his name? The guy who used to be on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And then he was on that show, Nashville. Oh, yeah, that about? dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah, in yeah. the old Lifeway bookstore when I first moved to Nashville. And I broke every, like every obnoxious thing that you should never do to a famous person. I did. I was like, oh, and I was, yeah, I, yeah. Well, especially wow. because when, when I moved to Nashville, I was told by people who had lived here longer, they're like, you just don't talk to fame. Like part yeah. of the reason they like living here is because people leave them alone, but apparently not in the Taqueria del Sol bathroom that the rule, rules don't apply in 12 South. Everything is game on right. in 12 South. Okay. So, so, so <laughs> listeners, if you don't know, we're, we're Nashville is known as being very kind to our celebrities, meaning we don't bother them in public. Um, except for me, I've done it in the bathroom. I'll give you one other story. I'll give you one other story. <laughs> I'm at the old borders on uh, West End Avenue, where it's now a Barnes Noble College at Vanderbilt, right? You know what I'm, I'm talking about? All right. So I'm, I'm in there buying a book for Brooke. I, I can't remember what it was, but um, so I'm in the checkout line and you know, you ever get that feeling like someone really tall is behind you? You just, you don't know they're tall, but like, you just know someone really tall is behind me. And I look over my shoulder and like, it's Nicole Kidman. And remember she had just moved. This is like 15 years ago. She had just moved to town, just got married to uh, Keith Urban. And uh, I thought, oh, this is cool. I, I got to get her to sign this thing though. But I'm like, but I can't be that guy. I just can't be that guy. I, 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 I repeated that in my head many times, but then I thought, wait a minute. Well, I don't even have a pen on me or anything. What am, what am I going to do? But I'm like, wait a minute. My car is parked right out front. <laughs> so I check out and I go oh. get a pen. Yes. Wow. So she, she walks out and I think I kind of freaked her out a little bit. <laughs> so, and then hold on. <laughs> You're panting and no. And then, holding your and sweaty, then, holding your no, no, no. And then Keith Urban walks out right behind her because you can't see him. He's like 10 feet shorter than she is. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I can tell like, and of course I'm like, well, shoot, I might as well go through with this now and ask. And uh, so I do. And Keith Urban is like super nice about it. Nicole Kidman was not happy about me doing that at all, but I got the, but I got the signature. All right. I'd have a, I have a, did you sell it on question. eBay later? Uh, no, no. I, it was personalized. Oh, okay. So there, there you go. go. All right. I have an awkward question. Uh, who is prettier in real life? Keith Urban or Nicole Kidman? <laughs> Definitely Keith Urban. That flowing hair he has. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Not to, not to be shallow. I just have only ever no. seen them on screen and I'm like, boy, those are two just glamorous human beings. I feel like they would, I don't know what they look like in real life. No, you know, uh, I mean, they're both pretty, but he, he's a pretty little man. Um, no, but, but you know, I think there's your, there's your episode title. He's <laughs> a pretty little man. That's right. With Barnabas Piper. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Out of yeah, context and perfect. <laughs> dot, dot, dot with Barnabas Piper. Well, everything um, I do is an out of con is something from the episode that is out of context. And yeah, and that's what makes me happy. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Well, another note, like, you know, they, they're pretty open around, you know, Keith and Nicole still like our kids are the same age. So we've been at like random things around town because like we were at like the YMCA when they do like the blow ups inside in the winter, you know, to keep kids entertained and, you know, they're just Boy, that couple. seems like a terrible idea right now. Mid COVID. Yeah. Well, like, right, yeah. 
a year ago yeah. that would have been like yeah we take our kids to that now it's gonna it's gonna be like 2040 before anyone considers using a yeah. bouncy house again in public <laughs> there you go i've violated the nashville rule uh apparently many times yes um but uh you know i'm still here so there you go yeah yeah. Barnabas, when 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 uh, when do we get to that status when like where people are afraid to approach Barnabas? When when's that going to happen? Is it going to be like within a month after release of the book? What's going to happen? Well, I given they the sheer were. number of people who don't approach me, maybe I've already reached that status. I'm either completely <laughs> unknown or I've terrified everybody. I don't know. It could be both. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Why not? I'm not opposed to that. I don't I'm mind. Scared of you, and I don't know you. That's right. Yeah, I don't know who you are, but you're terrifying. I don't want to be terrifying, just like mildly intimidating. Just like, yeah. You want to be intimidating? As opposed to people coming up and approaching me in a men's bathroom? Yes. Intimidating over that. Yeah. I think that is is better than the other. That's a reasonable thing. That was like eight years ago. I mean, I've grown up since, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You've grown older since, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know I'm not sure where to go with this. All right, all right. There's, so there's so no look, good that can come so from here's continuing we, down this. All line. right, listeners, here's what we've established in this. By this is how this is like the equality of a uh, the value in terms of friendship. Charlotte, sir, I'm Charlotte. I said this is the fifth time I've done what this. In Scarlet. the world, I don't know. Okay, it just comes out as Charlotte. Awesome. All right, Scarlett gets five copies. You've read the book. You read it months and months ago. All right. Four copies. I have four. Copies. You have four copies. You've well, you've read got the book. five, including your PDF. I didn't get a PDF. Okay. Yes, I did. I have five yeah. copies. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you that. read it, right? You're right. Yes. Um, I received the PDF and I have a physical copy. I'm halfway through it because I told Barnabas I'm not a good digital reader. I could try, but I'm not good. Barnabas was, thank you, Barnabas. Aaron has not received a copy. So we know where we all are in the hierarchy of things. Uh, I'm cool being in the middle, by the way. I am. I just, um, um, so in other words, Scarlett, Scarlett, you're going to have to ask questions here at this point because I, I mean, I'm feeling happy the today. problem. I'm bad at questions and I read it so long ago. Like, I don't know what to ask. Um, don't put, I can't, I, I quit the podcast right now. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? You quit every week. I know I do. <laughs> I quit every week. No, I'm not going to no. question. Okay. So this doesn't sound like a very healthy working environment. I don't know. Well, Dave's certainly not helping with talking about talking to people in the bathrooms and calling her Charlotte. Come on. And, and stalking people outside of an old borders. That's probably yeah. what made them go out of business. Uh, was uh, almost certainly. That. Okay. Yeah. I have a question. I have a yes. question. Mark. So I love the book so much. I could, I could just compliment you the whole time. That's easier for me than um, asking I'm, questions. I'm good with that. Very good just, with that. Yep. Just <laughs> well, roll. So good. Um, here's my question. So I think I heard you say this in a, I don't know where you said this, if it was in the book, in like the video for the book, I don't know where you said this, but I think you said you were trying to figure out, you know, sometimes people write to try to figure something out somewhere. You said that, right. That you were like trying to figure out how to hold on to the real kind of happiness. Where were you when you met emotionally, when you started the book and did you learn a lot while writing it? Or was it like, you learned you had learned something and then you're like oh i gotta write write this book and then you wrote it well i i don't like writing therapeutically you know i like that's what journals are for you you work out all of the like the mess there um so there was a sense of sort of 
discovery in it, but I, I started writing at a place where I'm like, I think I know where this is going. I didn't know quite how it was going to shape up, but, um, but I, I had gotten to the place of going, oh, okay, that like this, this is the basic principle this is built on. Um, so I had kind of, I had worked through a lot of the, the kind of fuzzy questions. I, I don't like books that you can tell the author is not taking you anywhere except into their own like mental morass <clears throat> where you're just like wandering around inside their head. You're like, what, what is going on here? Teach me something, take me somewhere. Um, I don't, I don't need an author to be an expert on something, but at least to have thought through it to the point of being able to offer something. So emotionally, I was, I think I was at a place where, um, I knew what the foundational truth was. <clears throat> and so writing it was more of a, how does this play itself out in, in relation to these different aspects of life or these different aspects of scripture or these different aspects of theology. Um, so in that sense, there was exploration, but I knew what my starting point was for the whole thing. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't just going to wander off and kind of take people nowhere, which I don't think would be serving readers very well. No. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. It, yeah, I, I told Brandon and I should have, I had like all these versions of the blurb that I Are wrote. Are you going to give two of your copies <laughs> to him? Just like split them to, to Brandon? So he, no. Yeah. So he gets no, two I'm and you really get two. Gonna, no, I'm really going to think through this and I'm going to give them to the saddest people I know. Okay. <laughs> if you get this book from me, <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't know anyone that's more sad than you. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. I know if then, deodorant for people here, you, you need this. <laughs> you really need this book. No, um, I, it was very, you know, that thing that I love about C.S. Lewis, like it had this philosophical, um, thing to it where I would read sentences, you know, when you're a Christian reading a Christian book, you're like, okay, I know, I know where happiness is found. You know, what is this going to mm -hmm. teach me? But I felt like I had a lot of light bulb moments, even, even knowing the source, who the source of joy is and the whole, the expectations thing of, mm -hmm having the right expectations. Um, there was so much in here that was said in a way that felt new to me. And I put this in the blurb that it just, it felt like such a gift, a service because the whole time I just, it just was very helpful. Um, like you said that you don't like when writers just kind of figure their own stuff out. Like it felt like the opposite of that. Like it was just, let me help you and entertaining at the same time. I loved it. I'm glad it was entertaining at the same time because I feel like if it was all philosophical, it would have kind of let down on the happiness front. You're like, boy, <laughs> let's let's drag you through some heavy thought on the way to happiness. No, it was a, it was a good blend. It good. it it, well, it made that. me it made me so eagerly anticipate the world opening up so I can go back and see a Rascal Flats concert. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that yeah. <laughs> I do love that story. I thought you were so like. Uh, sorry, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but like you were so like. Wait a minute. When's he going to insult this band? <laughs> I can't, I'm like uh, the, you, you again. Yeah. The editor, uh, yeah. the editor cut an entire paragraph in which I described mm -hmm. Rascal Flatts' music according yeah. to my actual opinions, and she said it did not move the chapter forward. And I was like, <laughs> but it made me feel better. Can you share that <laughs> now so that? Uh, so that we can move this podcast forward. Here, ask another question. I'll go see if I can dig up the original manuscript and, and no. find it. Let's see. Well, in, in Barnabas, I recall you're saying that you were sending it to them one chapter at a time, correct? Yeah, they uh, 
their editorial process like they 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 will edit as they go instead of turning it all in which i found frustrating during the process but i think it really did help the book because each chapter i could give more attention to each one because generally what i discovered and aaron you might you might think the same thing scarlett you as well where you when all of the edits come in at once you know, you give it a lot of attention. And by the second half of the book, you're just like, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just whatever the editor <laughs> said. <clears throat> oh. Whereas when it's chapter by chapter, you can kind of give it your full attention for mm-hmm. whatever, 3,000 words. It's not too bad. Yeah. 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 My last one, um, while I was working on it, I got all of the edits back. And I'm like, they're like, can you get this all done in two weeks? So there was a lot of stuff where I'm like, I'm just going to let you make that decision. And like, I, I just picked my battles and I'm like, this is something I feel like fighting you on and um, in a, in a, you know, in an appropriate way. In, in all seriousness, I know um, Barnabas, you writing this, you certainly are going to have a big influence on someone who certainly is not feeling happiness. Um, um, but I think there's an interesting, sorry, my mind goes into like the positioning of this and it's, I think most of us, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of days I just feel neutral. I'm not feeling like, overly up. I'm not feeling overly down either. I I just, but I need something to sustain me. And I mean, so far halfway through, I've been really encouraged by it because it's a, I need to find more of the freedom to be happy and to understand really what that means. So that's part of um, how God wants me to feel. I think you are one of those people, Barnabas, who feels no shame in having a good time. I feel uh, no, I mean that like, I mean that in a really good way because I'm one of those where I feel like, boy, I don't know if it's just my personality or whatever. I feel like, man, I'm having a good time. I should be suffering more or I should be this and that. Um, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing. I've, <laughs> I don't know if it's struggle with. It's more just a, just kind of a bizarre state of mind. I don't know if that's cultural Christianity that does that to us. It's kind of like if you see people going out and having fun, and they seem to be enjoying themselves, like truly enjoying themselves and feeling fulfilled or people who feel really fulfilled in their work and are open about that. You know, um, I don't know. I'm just pretty even keeled. So <laughs> maybe that's just kind of my state, but I would be willing to bet there's a lot of people out there who need to find more freedom to be, to understand what real happiness looks like too. Well, yeah, think- I'm a, I'm a Canadian, so we're not allowed to feel ways about stuff. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't talking, feel- I wasn't talking to you, Aaron. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just yeah, affirming you-, you, Dave. Boy, I wish you had a copy of this book, Aaron. It might really help you. Mm. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a shame that yeah. you don't. Yeah. Um, I, it, I think in, in getting ready to write this book and then in the writing of it, it's, it was super striking to me how guilty and how weird so many people feel about just enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I noticed it in myself first, like that's not an outward facing thing where I, you know, would cast, you know, casting judgment. So for me, it, I, I noticed it most in, in things like, like I bought a new car a couple years ago and I felt like I needed to make excuses for my car. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't buy like a luxury car, but it was nicer than the one I had before. And we still made, we still made fun of you. Right. And so there's... <laughs> There's this, there's like this, there's this like, ah, I need to, I need to justify the existence of this enjoyable thing in my life. This is a car that I have wanted since I was like 18 and I finally got it. And, and now I'm like, 
I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to be seen with this because, because why? Why? I don't know. That, and that, that was kind of part of the thought process of, that, that led into this. Like, what, what, why does that even make sense? Why, does it, why do I need to make an excuse for having a thing that I enjoy? Or, uh, you know, I was talking to, and I heard the same thing from friends. You know, they went on vacation and they, you know, it's a beautiful beach house. And they're like, well, my parents paid for it. And I'm like, frankly, I don't, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought twice if you had paid for it. It could just, that's fine. But there's a sense of like, I have to make an excuse for, enjoying this or looking like my life is too lavish or whatever. And I think that that just shows itself in a lot of different ways. And, and that was all of that kind of fed into, to where this started. I was like, why, why can't we just have fun? And, and then the flip side obviously is that some people live just to have fun. You know, they only have fun and there's never thought, there's never purpose. Their life is just sort of, it's just that. And so I think that's that the reason some people feel guilty is because if they have fun, they think they look like the people who only have fun. And I'm like, there's, there has to be something else going on here. There has to be a third, kind of a third option for what God intended for how we get to enjoy ourselves. And yeah, and that means, so that, that's like, that's where the, the book came out of, but also just in my own sort of thinking, figuring out, oh, I guess I don't need to feel guilty for driving a car that I like or eating food that I like or going on vacation or whatever. And, you know, I don't need to sort of downplay and mute the enjoyment of it. And, and it doesn't, you know, there's no, there's, there's no guilt because I think those things are things that if, you know, if God provides the means to enjoy something, he, kind of intense for you to enjoy them yeah there's a whole lot of stuff that exists in the world that it just doesn't make sense for them to really if enjoyment wasn't the primary purpose or at least a benefit of them i mean why does food have flavor doesn't need to (laughs) yeah it could just be fuel for the machine Mm -hmm. yeah i i i had a I had a conversation recently with a guy and you know, we were talking about happiness and he's sort of like, well, does, do you think God wants us to be happy? I'm like, if God didn't want us to be happy, why did he make bacon? Mm -hmm. I just, there, there is not a rationale for how good bacon is aside from the fact that God wants to put a smile on people's face. Sorry, vegans. This one's not for you, but uh, (laughs) it just, it's just, it has to be true. Like this is one of those things you look around and you're like, there, we have, we have like perfect fall weather outside right now. It wouldn't be like this if God mm-hmm. didn't want us to just enjoy it. Yeah, and so good. And like just enjoy it. No, no excuses, no nothing. Just like, here, this is for you. This one's for you guys. Have a great time. Okay. Other potential title, just enjoy the bacon or something of yeah. those lines. No, okay. the one that I pulled out is, sorry, vegans, this one's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I think that's that's a this is a great point because I Christians have a really hard time. They worry so much about justifying what they're doing, and there's this whole okay, but if I do this, then I'm that example of eat 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 drink and be merry, you know. And we're we're, we're not trying to live this all the time Epicurean lifestyle, right? We, but we can absolutely enjoy it. So yeah, I also think you know when you're a Christian and you're walking with the Lord, he's going to make fruit come from your life. So if you're enjoying your life, um, 
and you're, but you're living in a way that honors God. It's like, you don't have to try. If you're just loving Jesus and walking with Jesus, your life is going to look joyful and peaceful and you're going to serve because serving makes you happy. And so if you love bacon, people aren't going to be like, man, that person is always loving bacon so much because your life is marked by so many other things that are like Jesus. Yeah. And I, I think even the, like what you were just saying about the, as a believer enjoying things, there's a, we struggle so much to hold multiple ideas in our heads at the same time. And so Christians have this idea, a lot of Christians, not all, not all of us that like enjoying things is in opposition to living a life for Christ as a po you know, which, and so there's a sense of like, if I'm enjoying this, I must have taken my eyes also off of things that matter as opposed to realizing that by enjoying things in life, you know, relationships, music, art, humor, whatever, you actually are doing the thing that God intended. You know, so I, I, one, one interviewer asked me a question, you know, how, like, what, where does happiness fit with keeping our mind on things above? I'm like, those are not remotely in opposition to one another. Mm -hmm. Enjoying bacon is having your mind on things above if you're <laughs> grateful for where it came from. Like if you live life with gratitude, your mind is automatically on things above because you're grateful to the giver of the gifts. And so there's, there's just no tension between happiness and fun and a good time. Also, I found the paragraph in which I describe Rascal Flatts music that is Wonderful. not in the book. So this will uh, be, th yes. this is Let's part of the director's bonus. This is, yeah, bonus this, is, content. this is the only place that this has ever been read aloud. Yes. Um, <laughs> Exclusive so, content, everybody. That's right. So for context listeners, there is a chapter. It is chapter two. So you don't have to get very far into the book. Dave, you probably read this part where uh, I describe a, a double date gone wrong from my college days, which involved a road trip to a Rascal Flats concert, which, went about as well as one would expect. So um, this is the paragraph. I said, it dawned on me that I hated every song we were listening to. Rascal Flatts was in fact an embodiment of all that had gone wrong with country music. Saccharine pop schlock with just enough fiddle and twang to fool the uninitiated. To compound this auditory disaster, both girls adored them so I couldn't even make a disgusted face. <laughs> there that was the part that didn't make the final that should have that should have made the cut i'm sorry that's, that was that's that's the book i would have bought instead of asked for a free copy thank you barnabas, barnabas right that <laughs> brought me so much happiness today um so well, thank you, know, you. I, in in my editor's defense uh <laughs> you know how i said i don't like it when authors work stuff out on paper I think that one was a little bit like me just working out some angst. And I think it. she sensed that. She's like, this, this may not contribute to your point. This may just be sort of venting. But yes, I can hear you saying really good. Yeah, I can see hear you saying that out loud, of course, on Happy Rant, naturally. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think auditory disaster might be my favorite phrase that didn't get published. Just... I think that that sounds like a good description of Rascal Flatts to me. Yeah, sometimes there's just, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is is sometimes those are just writing things. It is great to get something out of your system, even if no one else is ever going to read it. And the and and it's really it's good for us all, right? Like Yeah, I think 
it might have been Flannery O'Connor. I can't remember. I think I think it was her. Had a great quote about how she's like something along the lines of, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but the the premise of it was basically spill your bile onto your journal pages, not onto your friends. And wow, it, it, and it was yeah, it was. Uh, I read that and I was like, yep, that's that. More writers should take that one into account. Like you work out the crap, and then once you've landed at a place of some clarity then move towards publication. How's that going to work with your publishing tell-all, Dave? Uh, I was taking notes as you were uh, <laughs> writing them. <laughs> uh, you're okay with me quoting you on these things. That mm. works for me. No, well, I'm I, doing I, it on a uh, podcast where people will listen, I'm assuming. So it's out yeah. there. At least uh, 10. All right, Barnabas, <laughs> congratulations on book number four. What has been the biggest difference in writing this one? I mean, of course, it's different publisher again, but like what, what's what's... What have you enjoyed about it most? What's been hardest now that you're in book yeah. number four? Um, I don't think anything was harder about this book than the first three. Um, I think, I feel like, I don't know if you find a stride as a writer, but I feel like I found, I think I found my voice a little bit more as a writer. You know, you just, you ideally you're getting better every time you write something, a little bit more clarity, a little bit more sense of, I said, what I intended to say as I intended to say it. Um, I feel like the, the scope of the idea was right. You know, I didn't, I didn't bite off more than I could chew or get to like chapter eight and go, Ooh, I need, I need three more chapters and I have nothing to say. Um, and yeah, I mean, frankly, I just feel like I wrote it better than the first three. I'm, I'm content with the first three books. I I'm proud of them, but I think this one's better. I think I wrote it better. I think I had a better handle on the message, both the kind of the the purpose as well as how I wanted to say it. And I think it came through. And then just the the publishing experience itself, working with the Good Book Company was great. The Rachel, the editor, was she she did a lot to help it get better. Like she she did a very good job of cr- tightening it up without you know, diminishing, uh, like my voice or my work with some editors muddied up and they kind of get their, they get their own agenda or their own voice in there. And she didn't, she didn't mess with it at all that way. So yeah, just by and large, I just feel like it's, I think it's better than my first three books. But again, um, I might just be saying that cause it came out yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll feel like that in five years, but, but you know, maybe there'll be a fifth by that time. Well, this this certainly uh, is a type of book that can last beyond the next month. Let's put it that way. It's highly relevant for this month, this year, but I think beyond it too. That's why I was saying like, man, if this came out last year before the world was falling apart, it would be just as helpful to me. So I'm grateful you wrote it and yeah, I, I will finish it this weekend. The <laughs> so context of its release it. is really weird. Uh, in a in a good way, but also when I started writing it, so I started writing it in twenty early twenty nineteen, I think mid twenty nineteen, and you know the world was pretty fine comparatively speaking, and so I felt like part of what I had to do was convince people that their perspective on happiness might be wrong. Whereas now I feel like everybody's like I'm miserable, so <laughs> yeah. now we're just we're we're working from a very different starting point. So hopefully hopefully it lands well with folks. Well, I mean, people are still kind of all over the spectrum, right? I mean, you know, we make a lot of fun about, you know, the dumpster fire 
that is 2020. You know, I'm sure we could use some other language, but that's I'm insulting to dumpsters and fires. That's true. That's true. But I'm also trying to avoid using the sensor button these days. So <laughs> I'm growing as a person. But uh, <laughs> avoid using the button or avoid having reasons to use the button? Both. Well, I haven't been on the podcast in a while. So that's true. It has been a couple like of months. A, your growth might be, <laughs> might just be more like you amputated me from the podcast and ta da, <laughs> everything got better. <laughs> Well, you know, we make that joke a lot, but I mean, it is a lot of, it is a lot of fun uh, every time we have you on. It, it does make Why me happy. It? Yeah, but uh, but I mean, you know, just because everything is kind of a mess, and I mean, you know, everything is kind of in flux. A lot of people are dealing with upheaval. People are freaking out about everything societally. If you live in America, you have an election to deal with. On top of that, and that doesn't make anybody happy because, I mean, good night. I think people are are all over the place on that, and I think it's going to land well. So, I think another thing about releasing a fourth book is just the level of my own expectations is different. You know, the first book, you kind of hope you're going to change the world, and you learn quickly that nobody changes the world. Um, and by book four, it's it's more like, I hope this lands in the hands of the people who need it. You know, so it's a lot less about numbers and platform and as much as it is, I really hope that this connects with the right readers. And Scarlet has half the books that are in print. It's very, you're, you're responsible for getting it in the hands of the right readers. And you mailed them to the right person. Sad people reach out to me. I've got <laughs> the mother load. Right, she's got all the copies. <laughs> Except you, Aaron, she does not have one for you. No. No, no, you're not sad enough. You need to be more sad. Fine. I'll get sadder. 2020 is still going. You got time. I mean, do it we is. do we need me listen being as grumpy as I was when I was a teenager? I don't think we do. No, I don't I didn't know you as a teenager, but I'm just going to just going to say no. We don't. No. No, cuz I was a teenager in the 90s. All right, so since this is an extended book podcast, uh, we've talked about Barnabas's book. It lends, it uh, brings up the question. It doesn't beg the question, right? Thank you it, for it brings, not saying begs the question. Thank you. Wait, did you guys have this conversation on a podcast about begs the question versus raises the question? I'm uh, sure I you believe. were involved in that conversation. We have talked about this. But yeah. bring it up again. Just recap. Involved, but I don't know. No, I, I just, I love that somebody else, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day because they said begs the question. I was like, that's not what that means. They're like, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't remember, but I know it's not that. Turns out it's like circular reasoning. But anyway, yes. sorry to derail yes. us. I got very no. nerd excited there for a second. No, no, I know. There you I go. Um, it brings up the question for us all. Uh, what are the other types of books that, or something around books that make us happy? And I know that I just love, I love the quiet of reading books, period. That just makes me happy. Just the quiet of reading books, whenever that can happen. But are there particular books that we all love that also kind of stir that emotion in us as readers? Podcasts work better when we answer the questions, right? I know. Yeah, this is a really bad small group. That's what it is. <laughs> Awkward. Really bad. <laughs> Fine. I'll go first since I asked the question. No. Good. Asked and no. answered. Yeah, no. No, it's, you know, it's been funny and, and kudos because each of you in different ways have recommended books that kind of take us back to um, everything from classic literature or to like a book that impacted us a long time ago and is worth rereading and you remember why because it's timeless and it's 
um, or it's an author you love. So Barnabas, again, we've talked about East of Eden. I'm so grateful that you kind of pushed me along to read that. And uh, it was so good. And one of my most joyful reading experiences, not only this year, but of all time. So happy tears. Happy That's a tears. Great one. <laughs> it is. But no, there's something about just when you were able to have some true quiet time reading, which is hard because we're all parents and busy people. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 that, that is, that is a source of true joy on top of that too. Just being able to do that when I'm so busy, I will miss the busyness one day, by the way. I just, um, I don't know this weekend, hoping, I hoping to have a little bit of that, but it will be joyful when it does. Yeah, I think the there's sort of two sensations in a reading that I feel like give me, well, probably actually three that I think of when I'm like that, that reading experience was one that, that made me really happy. The first is like a novel you get lost in. So it's, you, you're not thinking about reading. You're not thinking about the clock or really anything else. Like the story just sort of sucks you in and then you're in the world of the book that used to happen a lot more for me. I don't know if it's just because life was simpler or I had less going on or whatever, but it's, it's harder for me to find that now. Um, but it's a, you know, when you kind of look up and you're like, I've been reading for 52 straight minutes and have, I don't even, you know, the world could have burned down around me and this year probably did. And I didn't even notice. Um, the second one is that sensation of like the light bulb moment. So like the CS Lewis, uh, where he, he arrives at his conclusion and you did not see where he was going and sort of just you, the light bulb goes on. You're like, oh, yeah, I've never seen that before. I've never thought of it that way before. Um, just because, you know, I like learning, but most books that teach are boring. Like they just, they're just sort of like a methodical outline through an idea and you're like, yeah, I get it. But also who, lame, this is lame. Yeah. This is not good writing. Um, and then the third one is just those those books where you stop at a sentence and you just reread the same sentence three or four times because you're like, how did they do that? How did they how did they put those you know eight words together in that way? That's just genius. Like that sentence is genius. And sometimes that falls in the middle of a book that's not great. Like I'm reading a novel right now called Shantaram, which is it's sort of like this this epic kind of biography of a guy in India and. It's, a, it's an okay book, it's fine. But he has sentences scattered throughout that are worth reading through all the okay stuff just to get to, because you're like that, that, he just needed an editor basically to cut down the space between those sentences. But those, that, I think those three experiences are ones that are, the, they're kind of the, like the, the pinnacle reading experiences for me. I would agree, I have the category of C.S. Lewis theologians that help me understand the true deep, happy things. That would be one category for me. Um, and then the other category would be David Sedaris. He's a whole category. And <laughs> I've told you about him. I do Ugh. not know anything about his life. Um, his work has lots of content, but his writing is makes me so happy. He's so bizarre. He's like funny. He's not jokey funny. He's smart, like smart, funny stories, writes essays. Like here's an example. So I've re he's an exception. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about rereading books. And I said, I don't usually reread books. I reread his books because, so he has OCD. He's like a very interesting person. He writes about his family. And um, one of his stories, he writes about how he had a tumor in his back 
and he was trying to get a surgeon who would remove it and give him the tumor so he could feed it to a snapping turtle in the lake by his sister's house. Weird, right? I mean, it's just, he's just a strange, but it's so funny the way he tells it. So he found, he was doing a, he goes on these book tours and he was doing a reading and he, he was reading an essay about the snapping turtle and the tumor is like a little fatty tumor or something. And, um, someone, it was like, I don't know, someone from said, I, I'm a surgeon in Mexico. I'm probably telling this wrong. It's been a while, but it was like some shady thing and, or no, not Mexico. They said they were a doctor and they're like, come to my house and I'll take it out and you can keep it. And he did. He like went to this stranger's house. They cut the tumor out of his back. He put it in his sister's freezer and he fed it to a snapping turtle. And then someone walked up to him and said, what are you feeding him? Cause it looked like raw chicken. And he was like, I don't think he answered or he said chicken or something. He's, he's a great reader too. Like I, I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but I've heard him read his stuff like on the moth podcast and some other, he does a lot with NPR, like does readings of his stuff. And he, a little bit like Neil Gaiman, his stuff is probably better when he reads it than, than like certainly than anybody else reading it. And sometimes even just reading it yourself. Cause his voice is his, his audible voice reading his own stuff is so distinctive and his like he's got perfect comedic timing too yes he's so good and he's just such an interesting person i just want to know yeah. everything about his life and he's know? got a weird voice like when you listen to him you're like yeah this he sounds goofy like he's a goofy dude who writes goofy things so it all just fits yeah and anyway, he's brilliant those are my happy books barnabas pipers the the bookshelf of barnabas pipers hoping for happiness the entire is shelf story. yep the second shelf is theologians and the third shelf is David Sedaris. I'm really content being in, in that company. <laughs> that sounds like really good company to me. Your yeah. turn, Aaron. Aaron, Which Aaron comic is this going to be difficult happy? for you to answer? Cause it requires talking about it's... feeling things <laughs> a little bit, but ask me the question again, just so that I can answer it. <laughs> just because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I've had a lot going on right now, okay? <laughs> wow, Aaron. Aaron, what makes you happy in terms of reading? Is there a book or a type of book or a scenario about reading, whatever that may be? There are a lot of things. I mean, I enjoy a good story, like just period. Like a good story makes me happy to read, even when it's a not particularly happy story. Um, so, I mean, I've been reading a lot of the Longmire books. They're not happy stories, but they're really, really good. Um, Neil Gaiman's stuff. I, I have a lot of fun reading his, his, his stuff. Barnabas, I know that you're, you're not the biggest fan in the world, but, uh, but I like it a lot. It makes me happy. Um, you know, when he's particularly his all, his all age, all ages friendly stuff, it's, it's just actually his better written stuff. Than, than it is aside from his Norse mythology book, which is excellent. Um, mostly because he just puts in un content that doesn't need to be there. So in his in a lot of his other stuff, that's for all that's for adults. Yeah, so, they're gritty. Yeah, there's content for sure. Yeah, and it just doesn't need to be there. So, so yeah, that is that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. So. Um, I'm having a hard time keeping a sentence together right now. Yep, so. you are. Folks, this is a Friday afternoon for us. 
Aaron it is, has been uh, a week. It has been a Aaron's week. reading and Aaron's reading emails. Yeah. I am not not he's, entirely. He's reading, That's a lie. He's reading You're straight up email. looking at your second monitor right now. He's <laughs> reading emails. He's, he's reading emails. He's reading emails and scanning Ezekiel. You know what does not make me happy? Reading emails. I'll tell you that much. Well, but, maybe you'll uh, do it in the middle of a podcast well, about I'll, happiness. I'll do my best, okay? So, uh, you know. <laughs> what would really make me happy right now would be reading Barnabas's book. So, yeah. yeah, it would. That's right. If only you had a copy. If only I had a copy. But I do have right. it open no on, my, on my other screen. So... Oh really? So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right behind, yeah. right behind Gmail. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, it's yeah. in Gmail. Barnabas, so. it's been lovely having <laughs> having you back on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> like once a quarter, and this time we have uh, uh, your book to talk about. So this yeah. is, and we've made Aaron nice and uncomfortable and a little bit defensive. I like this. It's, it's fine. It's good. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Gotta stay uh, on your toes, Aaron. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You know, I had it coming this week, so it's okay. We're, we're grateful for you being our uh, our producer, <laughs> our booker, our <laughs> our editor, everything. That's right. I'm going to make myself sound really great in this. Making episode. you uncomfortable makes me happy. So, well, perfect thank you for that. We You're welcome. You've That's really delivered gift. today. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so glad. Well, that seems like a good place for us to wrap this up today. So. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, guys, thanks for hanging out. Barnabas, congrats on the book. Thank you. We're very excited about it. And um, I'm looking forward to getting a copy in six to nine months. And uh, <laughs> I'll get you the second edition when it comes out. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, you know, eventually I'll send you the one I'm working on if, uh, if it ever gets picked up. So there we go. All right. All right. I'm looking cool. forward to my next shipment of hoping for happiness coming <laughs> yes. in the mail. Your next print run. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's 25 copies. Just find oh. more sad people. <laughs> See, Scarlett, sooner or later, you're going to have to send one to my house. So, yeah. all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, and hold on real I'm quick. I'm hoarding so, them. They're for my bookshelf, my Barnabas <laughs> Hoping for Happiness yeah. bookshelf. I got to fill it. I know. Scarlett, when is your uh, your release date? Um, my release date for my Bible study that is due in three days yes. um, is August 2nd, 2020. And then I have a trade book coming 21, out. 21, clearly. I mean, okay. two, 21. Yeah. And then my trade book comes out in 2022. Oh, okay. So or it might be bumped. We don't know yet. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All I right. just got the cover. I'll show y'all. Not y'all, y'all. Just you, you three, y'all. Oh, okay. All right. Actually, you should show it real quick. And then we get a reaction. That way, no one else can see it. <laughs> Do you, you have mean, a, this? Makes great yeah, radio. Right it does. This is great. Yeah. yeah just showing. hold, hold. It's a great way to end off. If anyone stayed this long on the podcast, congratulations. We're still mm -hmm. going. Well it's hard to believe that. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Okay, here I've we go. I've tried to end this you twice ready? already. So excited to share this to you. No, we have to see. Okay, it. here we go. This is the nothing final like, thing. Nothing of the iPhone revealing on a Zoom call. <laughs> Uh, Can't see a thing. Mm, beautiful. Oh, there, oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Ooh. Yeah, I, I like that. Mm -hmm. I do too. Me too. I, I really dig the uh, like. It's clean. It's simple, but it's creative. Like it's not. Yes. It's not super minimalist. That's really well done. Also, not gender specific, which I dig a lot. Yes. Too. Yeah. I love it. I like the girly, the girly stuff too much. Nice. All right. Well, uh, guys, thanks for hanging out. This was really fun. 
and uh listeners. Ashley was i'm not sure about you you didn't seem like you were having any fun i'm not happy right now so i'm gonna go but uh listeners i hope you're happy and if you are do leave us a five-star rating and review because that will make me happy okay and uh we'll talk to you later This is an Area Code podcast.